There's an island off the north coast of Germany called Heligoland. In 1994, off the northwestern coast of that island, a body was discovered, with injuries that suggested foul play. Wearing smart clothes and expensive shoes, he was given the name The Gentleman. But nearly 30 years later, he's still unidentified, and his killers have got away with murder. Welcome to the mysterious case of the Gentleman of Heligoland, one of Europe's most baffling unsolved crimes. Episode 2 The Third Man So, in the first episode, we started to investigate the identity of a body found off the German island of Heligoland in July 1994. All we had to go on was what was in the public domain. His height, 6 foot 5, so extraordinarily tall, 3 in a thousand people. His weight, 75 kilograms, so for that height, pretty thin. His approximate age, police say 45 to 50 in 1994, but there was very extensive decomposition. So it's probably sensible to extend that out a bit, maybe five years each side. So this man is probably born somewhere between 1939 and 1954. There's no identification. There's no hair color because there's no hair. There's no eye color because there's no eyes. But there were items of clothing. A tie and shoes made by Church's Shoes in Northampton, England. We worked out that tie was made and sold in Canada by Marks and Spencers in episode one. So we were thinking he was Canadian with maybe some British connections. But was there anyone in the UK who was missing who fitted that description? And there wasn't. But there was in Canada. There was a man missing from Toronto in 1991. Same height, same weight. His name was Michael Dean. And I left things with my call to Toronto Missing Persons Unit. And we're going to get to that call very soon but first there's another piece of the jigsaw you need to know about and for that we need to talk with joe willis our research guru because she's been very busy combing her way through every michael dean she can find so i'm joined by joe willis now you'll know joe because joe's our kind of researcher in chief uh, morning. Hello, Karen. Lovely to speak to you, Joe. So Ian's been busy. He's found some fellow called Michael Dean in Canada. You've kind of got the task of trying to find any records of anyone called Michael Dean that might play a part in this story. And I imagine Michael Dean's a fairly common name. So where do you start with something like that? The only thing I knew 
I felt I knew was that the gentleman had a Canada connection due to that Canadian Marks and Spencers tie. I felt I knew he had a British connection due to those church shoes and I felt they had been mended in the UK. Yeah. Thanks to Ian, he was possibly called Michael Dean, born 1941. So what we know from what Ian's found is that Guy Michael Dean that he's found was born in 1941. So that's, that's a bit of certainty. We think he might have a connection with Canada and we think he might have a connection with Britain. Yeah. And so I did need those pegs to hang on, really, because otherwise, you know, I just wouldn't know where to begin. So I thought, well, I'll go with that. So um, I surmised that Michael Dean, who went missing in Toronto, thought, well, he possibly went to the UK and then possibly fetched up in the North Sea. Yeah. So I decided to look for a Michael Dean born 1941 who had connections with Canada and the UK. First thing I did was on a find my path, I went to travel and migration and I typed in Michael Dean and um, a ship's passenger list came up in 1946 and that was going from Southampton to Canada. Yeah. And there was a little boy and he was called Michael Sterling Dean. Michael Sterling Dean and he was aged four and seven months. And he was a passenger on the Queen Mary, no less. Queen right. Mary. Yeah. That was setting sail on the 19th of June. And it was commissioned to transport the British wives and children of Canadian servicemen. Right. So just so I understand that, the Queen Mary, which is this luxury liner from yep. back in the day, has been commissioned to take all the wives and kids of Canadian, Canadian servicemen. servicemen, yeah. Back to Canada. Yeah, back to Canada. Now, I'm not saying some of these wives weren't born in Canada and had come across, but when I did look at the whole, you know, list of passengers, the children were very young. They'd been born during the Second World War, so I think they were the British wives, you know. No, that makes a lot of sense. So it may be Canadian servicemen who have met British wives and they still may be serving in the armed forces at this point. I guess they may not have been demobbed, but the kids that have been produced through those marriages and the wives are now setting sail back to Canada. Yeah. In fact, I think you're right on them not, not being demobbed because I had to do a little bit of social history research. I get the sense that the Canadian servicemen were still you know, in service in Britain, even in 1946. So I tried to get the parents of this little boy. And his father is initialed as Private A.S. Dean. And we're given his army service number. Based on that, I could work out that he was from Toronto. That was sort of his regimental number. And he was a private. And so I'd got this A.S. Dean as the father. And he's just tagged at the side. But you can tell he's not on the ship. Right. Indeed, none of these um, these men are on the ship. You, they're just tagged at the side. And so then I think, well, who's his mother? And it's really sad, Ken. This little Michael is travelling without his mother. Is so without he, his mother or his yeah, father? Or his father. Right. So I'm thinking, what the heck? And he's being escorted by um, a lady called Nellie Smelovich. 
she's off to um, Toronto to address in Toronto. In actual fact, uh, little Michael's off to what is described as a friend. Now, obviously, Michael's only four, so it's going to be a friend of father's, I surmised. Yeah called Mrs. Stout. We're given the address and it's in Toronto. So I'm thinking, well, he's going to Toronto. I've got that. Right. So again, let, let me just recap here. This poor little lad, four and a half, is travelling the other side of the world without his mum and dad and being accompanied by a lady called Smelovich. Yeah, Nelly Smelovich. And she's <laughs> taking him to live with someone called... Mr. and Mrs. Stout. Stout, yes. Okay. In, um, in Toronto. In Toronto. Yeah. Where's Mum? Right. So this was where the hard work had to start because um, there was a care of address uh, for little Michael, and it was a uh, Mrs. Hughes Rowland in um, Anglesey, in Wales. So I thought, well, that could be a relative. It's not Mum because she'd be called Mrs. Dean. So. I thought, right, where do I begin? Well, I looked for Michael Estine, born around 1941, born around 1942. I found one registered in Brighton in the late quarter of 1941. And his mother's surname was Riley. Obviously, father's surname was Dean. I find a marriage between one Annie Riley and Alfred S. Dean in the first quarter in Brighton, 1941, and I think Geronimo. Yeah. And a, a backtrack to the birth of Annie Riley, and she was born in Wales, you know, and I could really uh -huh. track her. Right. So, again, just to recap, we've got Alfred S. Dean, yep. Canadian, in Brighton, for some reason, and we've got Annie Riley from Wales, for some reason, in the same place, they get together, they get married, and Michael Sterling Dean is the result of that. Yes, about you know eight nine months later, yeah. and um, the interesting thing is though, when I looked at Annie Riley in the nineteen thirty nine census, she was working as a nurse in Brighton, and Canadian troops were in large numbers in Brighton. Their HQ was at Stanmer Park, which is near Hove, and Hove is literally, you know, a suburb of Brian. Yeah. And I'm thinking they could have easily met at a dance, you yeah. know. Yeah. So I was convinced these were little Michael's parents. I had no doubt about it, to be fair. Yeah, true. So they're married. They've got the child. Alfred's off fighting the war. Where's, where's Annie? Well, it's really sad. When I ran past all this to Ian, now, Ian's actually devilishly clever. He's, He's very clever. You know, he is Ken. And he, he found a sort of extra sight, more of reminiscences. And he found that Anne, um, as she preferred to be called, didn't like really being called Annie, mm -hmm. had, died, had died of TB in a sanatorium in Benedon, Kent. Died in, oh, yeah, 1945. TB and um, this reminiscence site doesn't seem to know about little Michael but they would put up a photograph of, of Anne and Alfred Sterling Dean and you know he was very tall just I just mentioned that because I don't like to be anecdotal but we're looking for a tall man <laughs> that, that is interesting so 
So poor old Michael Sterling Dean, he's been born to Alfred and yep. Anne, Annie. Yeah. Dad's off fighting the war, and then his, then his mum dies when he's three. Yeah, his mum died in 1945, so he's going to be three to, three to four, you know, I'm thinking four. And it's sad, and actually I was thinking, I wonder if during the time when he was little, I would have thought if Alfred was stationed really in Brighton and not doing active, active service, if you know what I'm saying, probably saw Dad from time to time. I'm hoping that very much, you know. So it sounds like after the tragedy that, Mum has died and the baby's alone. Mm. Oh, he goes, no, he goes to live with Anne's sister May because I then worked out that the lady who was care of on this ship's passenger list, who was care of, you know, sort of been looking after Michael, I'm assuming, was Anne's sister May. I'm 100% sure of that. Where was she? She was living in uh, Menai Bridge, Anglesey. And it all fits in with Anne's family, you know, where they hail from. Okay. So, and just for our international listeners who might not know uh, Anglesey, Anglesey is an island off Wales that is joined, it's only about a mile, uh, not even that, across the Menai Straits. And it sounds like they were living right on the Menai Straits on the Anglesey side. So he's now taken up to Anglesey and uh, lives there for a while. But clearly it sounds like, I would imagine his father makes arrangements for him to go and live in Canada because... Yes, right. absolutely can. I think the only person who could have made this arrangement is Alfred Sterling Dean, you know, for little little Michael to go across. Uh, he, I guess Dad thought he might have a better life or it might have been, you know, it's the right thing to do. But I'm puzzled, Ken. I'm puzzled. Why was he going to the Stoats and not one of the Deans? Because when I look at all these other passenger lists, these wives of these Canadian men, they are going to relatives of their husbands. Alfred Stone Dean, a Canadian, intended after the war, and probably did, to go back to Canada. So it makes sense that that he would want his son with him in Canada. It's important to get the son back to Canada. Definitely understand that. But are we right in thinking that Alfred Sterling Dean had brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers where, where where the baby could have gone to as well? Yes, I mean, this is truly what's puzzled me because... Alfred had, had now admittedly Alfred's father had died in 1942. Wealthy man, Elliot Sterling Dean, into advertising, had, um, you know, family paid for quite a good obituary. He died 42, admittedly he's died, but Alfred's mother was still alive in Toronto. Alfred's brother Martin, a civil servant, and his wife were living in Toronto. Alfred's sister Catherine, now she'd made a very good marriage, as as they said in those days, to one Cecil Cathars, who was an MP and businessman there in Toronto. So it's honestly, I cannot understand why Alfred was sending little Michael to the Stones, to his friends. I've often wondered if Alfred had not told his family he'd married a Welsh nurse and had had a little boy. 
Well, that's a very interesting point that. I just want to come back to why we're focusing so much on Michael Sterling Dean. The reason being, the same name, so that's a bullseye. He's got the same year birth, that's a bullseye. He's got clearly connections with the UK, but very clearly connections also with Canada. Yes, that's why I stayed with him, actually, Ken, because, and I, I remember saying to you, can I stay with this little lad at the moment? And you said, yeah, yeah, you stay with him, Joe. So he goes to Canada, he's, he's four and a half, and now he's lands in Canada living with the Stout family. And that's a brilliant piece of research, and, and that makes an awful lot of sense in terms of a potential connection with the person Ian found going missing in Toronto Yes. I thought he might have gone back to England. And is there any evidence of a Michael Sterling Dean ever appearing again? Well, Kent, this is where I became crestfallen. Because, yeah, I became crestfallen (laughs) because his death was registered in Brighton in 1992. Right. Well, it's interesting for a number of reasons. I'll obviously need to go, we'll go and get that death certificate. We'll have another conversation once I've received that. The interesting thing is, though, 1992 might make it too early to be the gentleman of Heligoland. Yeah. But it might be perfect for a missing person from Canada, from Toronto, who went missing in 1991. This is intriguing because if, and it does sound like this Poor lad, Michael Sterling Dean, has had very deep connections with not only Canada, but Toronto. Yes. I've seen that picture of his dad. He's a big fella. The next thing I need to do is therefore check with the Canadian police whether they know the exact date of birth of their missing person. Accidentally, Joe, you may just have solved one of... Canada's oldest missing persons cases, even if it's nothing to do with the gentleman of Heligoland. That's exciting in its own right. If that's the outcome, I'm happy. It's a miracle if that's the outcome, because yeah. they've been looking for this fella for 30 years. Let me get on and order that death certificate. And what I'll do, as soon as I've got that death certificate, I'll give you a call back and I'll take you through exactly what it says. Okay, well, thanks, Ken. Perfect. Thanks, Joe. Well, there was a great deal to take in there, so I think it might be worth just having a quick recap at that point. At the moment, this is a triangle. There are three points to it. And each point, there's a man. One, we've got a body, six foot five, in the North Sea, with Canadian clothing, found in 1994. Secondly, we have a missing man in Canada, six foot six. He goes missing in 1991, and he's called Michael Dean. And thirdly, we have a man called Michael Sterling Dean, with definite links to Canada, who dies in Brighton in 1992. We don't know his height. So at the moment, it seems to me, either one, the missing man in Canada dies in Brighton, because both the names and the year of birth matches, or, The missing man in Canada is the gentleman of Heligoland because the unusual heights and weights match. I needed to speak to Ian again. 
Right, Ian, good to talk to you again. Have you recovered from your all-nighter yet? Because I know you're getting on now. All-nighters are uh, not for the faint-hearted. Well, I have had one or two people who've listened to the podcast pointing out that my all-nighter means that I kept going beyond half past nine. But that's not true. That's not true. And yes, thank you very much. Through the nightmares, I have caught up on my sleep. Are you familiar with where Joe is? Well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I was in communication with Joe as she was doing a lot of her chasing down work. So I was online with her when she found the entry for Michael Sterling Dean's death in Brighton in 1992. Uh, and I know that she thought that was the end of the road for him being the gentleman. But for me, I don't think it is. I think we need to get hold of the death certificate to see if there's actually somebody who was dead in Brighton, because I'm sure that there are entries on the register of death are made when, for example, the captain of a ship reports somebody has fallen overboard. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah. And that death would be registered in the hometown of the person who died. So in my head, because He's six foot six and the gentleman's six foot five. And I'm, I'm, I'm still shocked at that coincidence. I guess I'm looking at ways that it can still be the gentleman. I think we definitely need to look at the death certificate and see what the circumstances of the person who died in Brighton uh, in 1992 were. If they have entered on a death on the register without there actually being a body, then obviously the gentleman could still be Michael Dean from Canada. That's very true. So... Well, I'm going to get that ordered now. And just to recap in terms of what we think about that is if it says on the death certificate dies of a heart attack in Brighton General Hospital, we're pretty sure it's not the gentleman of Elegant Land. But equally, if it says lost at sea, date unknown or something like that, you very much could be the gentleman of Heligoland. So I suppose what I need to do now immediately is get that death certificate ordered and let's wait and see what comes through the post. Thanks for downloading the podcast. We're very pleased indeed you've joined us right at the start of what's starting to look like it's going to be a very intriguing journey. I think in the past couple of days, I seem to have developed a cold. So if I sound a bit croaky at the moment, forgive me. It's not COVID, but I think it may be man flu. It always takes a few days for the podcast to get up and running on the various platforms. But by now, it should be on Podbean and Spotify and Apple and Amazon and Pocket Cast. In fact, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. And it would really help us if you could leave a review wherever you do get it, because people see that. And obviously, if people say nice things about podcasts, that's just helpful. Also, if you could spread the word, let your friends know that this podcast exists. It's really important that we get as many people listening as possible. It's the one thing that we measure our success by. And you can really help that by sharing it with anybody that you think might be interested. We've also now got a Facebook page set up by Neil DeVille. So thanks, Neil. And that's called Who is the Gentleman of Heligoland? And there's already about 170 members of that. So that's pretty active and we'll be uploading lots and lots and lots of detail on to the Facebook page. We've also got a Twitter account, 
and an Instagram account, ably managed by Freya Faulkner, who also is responsible for the excellent graphic that we're using. The Twitter handle is at Gent of Heligo. So at Gent of Heligo. Instagram is gentleman underscore of underscore Heligoland. And please feel free to send us your opinions, ideas and theories. It definitely helps. And we've got an email address, which is thegentlemanofheligoland at gmail.com. Ideas for the podcast and direction of the investigation, we always take a very active interest in. Now, a couple of shout outs. I always like to do them. First one's to Belle Mackay. I know Belle has listened to the first episode and enjoyed it, and I'm very pleased you did. And also to Lara Mackay, who is my favourite Ukrainian. And Lara, I want you to know that we're all standing with you in terms of what's happening in your country. So thank you for listening. And now, let's get back to this story. We need to speak to Toronto Police, and more specifically, the Missing Persons Unit. Hello there, is that the Toronto Police Missing Persons Unit? Yes, the Toronto Police. Wonderful, thank you. My name's Ken Davis. Could I have a quick conversation with you about one of your cases? Well, it depends what you want to know about it. But yes, you can. Thank you. I may have a lead on one of your cases. Okay. I investigate missing people in the UK. We're looking into a particular case at the moment, and we found somebody called Michael Dean. But his name is Michael Sterling Dean. Sterling is his middle name. Dean with an E or Dean without an E at the end? Without an E. Okay, so D-E-A-N? Yeah. This man, Michael Sterling Dean, although English, definitely emigrated to Toronto. We're investigating a body of a man that was found washed up near an island near Germany, a place called Heligoland. That man was six foot five. That man may have been Michael Sterling Dean. Michael missing from UK or from Canada? He's missing on your systems as going missing on September the 2nd, 1991. Okay. From Toronto. Okay. And he was six foot six. Now, the reason that's interesting is because going back to the body that was found on this island, he had a tie on. Okay. That tie, I know, was from a Marks and Spencer's store in Canada. Okay. So the reason I really found Michael Dean your Michael Dean, is that I was looking for missing people who are six foot six in Canada and found your Michael Dean. You must have gone through a big list for that. There's not many six foot six ones. Uh, And in this secondary bit of research we've done, we've realised Michael Sterling Dean went from England to Canada, to Toronto. So I'm wondering, that's, that's all the information I have, but I was wondering whether your Michael Dean that went missing on September the 2nd, 1991, has never been found. And by the way, this body was found in 1994. I'm just wondering whether the middle name of the man that went missing from Toronto was Sterling. All right. Okay, let's have a look. Do you 
Well, I do. I run I run a media company, but I, I, I investigate in very great detail missing people. But we were just looking at a new case and realised that there was links with this body in Heligoland and Canada, and his size was very unusual. How do you know the tie was from MS in Canada rather than UK? Because there is, I used to work in that industry, and there, there is a label on that tie. That label is definitely a Marks and Spencer's tie. That doesn't tie it to Canada. What does tie it to Canada is there's a code on it. That code is, can, is Canada MS. And it's also language on the labels are both French and English. Now, you, you, you will get that elsewhere, but I thought that's another point to Canada. It's definite that the, the code on that label is Marks and Spencer's in Canada. Marks and Spencer's, by the way, stopped their operations in Canada in 1997. So we know it's about the right time. Tell me about it. I came from Scotland and I was very upset when I came here that Marks and Spencer's was shutting down. I've just noticed your Scottish accent for the first time when you said that. I didn't have you down as Scottish at all until that very moment. <laughs> yeah, well I can tell you, you're definitely from England, but I can't even pinpoint where from. I'm thinking more north. Yeah, you're right there. It's, uh, I, I grew up on the other side of the Mersey from Liverpool. Right, Liverpool, but it's not that strong one, is it? I've not been there for 35 years, so I've knocked all the edges off. Just like you've knocked all your edges off. Plus, you've been doing most of the talking, so... Yeah, but <laughs> I, I'm afraid that's a habit of mine. I apologise. So, we have that person still on file as missing. And we do not have a middle name. Um, do you have details on the body that was found on the island near Germany? Yes, I do. Only what they've published. I'm not in contact with them because we're at the very early stages of this investigation. But I do have the information that they've put out to me, and in, in, including contact numbers for for the police in Germany. Right. Um, so basically, we have an alias of Mike, which is quite common for someone called yeah. Michael, and we have the fact that he was slightly hunched over. So that might reflect in an autopsy report, which probably would be public knowledge. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so what I would do with your information is I would reach out to find out if this UHR can be compared with our missing person, with Germany. So I can't confirm with you whether it's a, his middle name at all. We don't have a middle name for this guy. That's all I've got for you. I was struck by the height and the fact that it seems to be a Canadian link. Right. Now, what's, what's the, the UK link with this thing, Michael Sterling Dean? Well, that's a good question. The only link is, we, once we've established there was, a, there was a man missing in the world who was six foot six and with some Canadian aspect given the tie that was from Canada, we then thought we'll start looking at Michael Dean and and that threw up a man called Michael Sterling Dean who had emigrated to Toronto. Okay. You were looking at the Canadian case of the missing person, Michael Dean. Yeah. And the HR in sorry, the unknown human remains in Germany. Yeah. And you've located some emigration files on Michael Sterling Dean and wondering if that's the same. Yeah. Guy. Because Michael Sterling Dean 
emigrated to Canada in 1946, not with his parents. He was, and, and he, he went to live with a man called Walter Harold Stote at 232 Bingham Avenue in Toronto. So, so really it was triangulating three points really. We know the body in Germany has Canadian connections and we know he's six foot six or there or there or thereabouts. We found your missing person dying at the right time because we also seem to be some English connections as well with the body. He was wearing English shoes. Okay. Uh, we then looked at people in England called Michael Dean and we found someone called Michael Sterling Dean who had who had moved to Toronto. Okay. Now there is a final piece of the jigsaw which is Michael Sterling Dean died or was registered as dying in the UK. Okay. And he was registered as dying in 1992 in Brighton in England. Okay. Now, the reason, because this body's not found till 1994, okay. it may have been he was lost at sea and he was, and he was registered dead because he was lost at sea. But he was so, body, his body only appeared two years later. No, no, no. We come across this a lot, Ken, I can tell you, um, that a lot of people can be declared dead after a certain amount of time, depending on who who um, is declaring them dead? Is it family? Is it family in UK? Family in Canada? Um, you can declare someone dead. So that death can be officially registered. Um, I know there are different, probably different rules then as there are now. Um, I don't know what rules are in UK, but I can tell you here we have to go through whole court system to have someone declared dead here. It's the same here. And, and that is a weakness in this because he was declared dead quite quickly uh, if it was him. Uh, if he'd fell off a boat in 1991 and he was already declared dead by the end of 1992 and, did the, and this body didn't turn up till 1994. So it may be a completely different person. Right. But I've ordered their death certificate because you can do that in the UK to see what the cause of death was. Right, that's awesome. What's, what's your guy's date of birth, Michael Sterling Dean? His date of birth, Michael Sterling Dean, is 27th of November 1941. That means when he disappeared with, with you, September the 2nd, 1991, he also was 49. I should have mentioned that earlier, forgive me. Right, yeah, same date of birth we have. Cool, well you know what? Ken, I'm beginning to think you're my new best friend. <laughs> <laughs> We're a long way from proving these things are connected, but I obviously wanted just to pick the phone up and check in, check in with you guys and say, there might be something you might need to be aware of. Right, no, that's perfect. When I get the death certificate, which should be in about a week's time, I'll send you a copy. For sure, that would be perfect. What I will do is I'll have a look and see who reported this guy and track them down here. It was his landlord, I think. I'd certainly, I'd personally be interested if, if, if his middle name does happen to be Sterling, there are no other Michael Sterling Deans in the world. Thanks, Shona. Keep me in the loop if anything does happen. I, I probably... I'm very big on that, actually. You know, the people that provide these tips, I like letting them know the results. That's really good of you. You've obviously put a lot of effort into this, so that's 
sound great. No, my, my pleasure. And uh, I'll send that to you now and uh, just obviously let me know if you need anything else from me. Okay, thanks very much. You have a great day, Shona. You too. Okay, see you soon. Bye-bye. So that was interesting. Shona at the Toronto police seemed fairly convinced that there's a connection between their missing man, their Michael Dean, and either the man who dies in Brighton in 1992, also called Michael Dean, because he has the same name and he has the same date of birth, or the man that's fished out of the water near Heligoland in 1994, because he's the same height, and that's an unusual height, and the same weight. What we're waiting for next is the death certificate for the man in Brighton. That will tell us exactly how he died. Well, it came this morning, so I now know exactly how he died. But that's for next time. So until next time, have a good one. The Mysterious Case of the Gentleman of Heligoland is a copyrighted GSE Media production, written and narrated by Ian Mackay and Ken Davis, and produced by myself, Ken Davis. <laughs>